0: The first reading is taken from Genesis chapter 41 and is from verses 37 until 57 and can be found in your church Bibles on page 46 or on the screen in front of you, starting at verse 37. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials, so Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to be subject to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I therefore put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt." Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and the men shouted before him, "'Make way!' Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, "'I am Pharaoh but without your word no one will lift hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zephanath-Paneah and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was thirty years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, Two sons were born to Joseph and Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said, there was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Joseph told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe in all the world. This is the word of the Lord.
1: The second reading is taken from 1 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 1 to 7, and can be found on page 1192 in the Church Bibles. That's page 1,192, 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 to 7. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. And for this purpose I was appointed a herald and an apostle, I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. This is the word of the Lord.
2: You've probably seen on the new sheet that Adam is down to preach, but uh, I've got less hair than him, so I'm uh, preaching in his day. Let's pray together. father god we thank you that you've called us to be your witnesses in every situation we find ourselves in our lives as christians we pray that as we reflect on the life of joseph we may learn more of what it means to be your witnesses for jesus sake amen i don't think it's an exaggeration to say that those in positions of leadership in the world today are under greater scrutiny than ever before with the media and the social media commenting on every decision that's taken and every leak that's made. People feel the need to comment on it. And a quick look at the headlines in the newspaper this morning reminded me that the decision taken at Checkers has been dissected by all the broadsheets and depending on their perspective, They're analysing the decisions taken there. I thought of a cartoon that might come out of that uh, particular event, Let Them Eat Fudge. But I'll leave you to think about that. People are asking what kind of leadership is being provided, either at national level or at church level, with archbishops, bishops, clergy, parochial clergy. what kind of leadership are they offering? And more mundanely, I suppose we're asking what kind of leadership are sports team leaders, uh, managers offering and indeed captains of football teams. Uh, I was reminded at nine o'clock on Friday morning, I was drinking my Colombian decaf unadulterated coffee and in savoring the moment, and looking at the headlines, and there was a picture of the England football manager consoling the Colombian footballer who'd missed a penalty, because he himself, Gareth Southgate, had missed a penalty in a vital match earlier. I thought that was great leadership, and he's uh, really, we're warming, I think, to his leadership skills. I wonder if you noticed that verse that Helen read to us a few moments ago. It says this, as Paul wrote, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. We can hope and pray that, at the very least, our leaders in the political environment, and indeed in the church, would uphold the Judeo-Christian values and heritage of our country. Today our theme is the witness of leadership. In my own experience of working with bishops, archdeacons, innumerable clergy and observing and working closely with at least ten head teachers before I came here means I could write a book if I chose to about leadership, mostly about how not to be a leader. One bishop comes to mind who had been the vicar of a big parish, well-known parish church, who treated his 200 clergy as his assistant curates. Not surprisingly, he met some opposition from those more experienced and mature clergy as he tried in vain to control them and us. In preparation for leadership of PCCs at Theological College, we had a lecture given to us by a lay chairman of the local PCC. In discussion before the lecture, we asked ourselves, why is a lay person being asked to talk about leadership of a PCC? Surely it should be one of the staff, but actually only one of the staff, the principal, had probably been in parish ministry and led a PCC. The rest had been assistant curates and gone straight into the academic life of Theological College Well, after the lecture, we realised why uh, the layperson had been chosen. He said there are three ways to lead a PCC. Firstly, come with an idea that you want to push, and push your own ideas to the exclusion of all others until they finally succumb and accede to your wishes. Secondly, come to the PCC with absolutely no idea of what the parish needs or what the needs of the people are, and let others decide or thirdly come with ideas but be prepared to have those ideas rejected accepted or modified by those who've been in the church longer than you or those who will be there long after you've left a sanitary lecture that and i've experienced all three kinds of leadership from those clergy that i've observed well what can we learn from the life of joseph who at 30 years old was thrust into the position of leadership as prime minister of Egypt. And we can see something of Joseph's leadership skills. How do we define leadership? Leadership is the ability someone has written to put the plans into practice and accomplish the specific objectives through the skillful management of people, time and tangible resources. A good leader is one who can motivate people, one who can make good decisions, even under pressure or in conditions of uncertainty, one who can guide people through actions as well as words. And if you want a biblical example of one who fulfilled all that and more, we need look no further than Joseph in the chapter that was read to us, chapter 41 of Genesis. Joseph was a man of integrity. The word integrity comes from the same root word as integration. Integrity is when you integrate faith with your living. In other words, faith isn't just about when you go to worship, but it's put into practice in your everyday life. The same writer went on, A person with integrity isn't divided, that's duplicity, or merely pretending, that's hypocrisy. He or she is whole. Life is put together and things are working together harmoniously. People with integrity have nothing to hide and nothing to fear. Their lives are open books. I think we can see as we look at Joseph briefly, hopefully, uh, that he was a man of integrity. We notice his rising acclaim. At 17 years old, Joseph had been sold into slavery as we've been reminded, but as Adam reminded us way back when in his sermon, the Lord was with Joseph. And God caused Joseph to be successful in all that he did. God revealed to him a plan and he became the chief overseer in Potiphar's house he avoided the temptation to be seduced by Potiphar's wife was thrown into prison falsely there he met the cupbearer and baker of Pharaoh interpreted their dreams and unfortunately for Joseph the cupbearer forgot about Joseph and he spent 11 more years in Egypt and even though the Lord was with him during this time of captivity and slavery and suffering, he was still a slave and cut off from his family and his country. And God gave Pharaoh two more dreams. you Remember the story about the fat cows and the thin cows, the thin ears of corn and the thick ears of corn. And Pharaoh was troubled in spirit And he sent for all the magicians of Egypt and the wise men, but no one could interpret Pharaoh's dreams to him. It was then that the cupbearer remembered Joseph, who'd interpreted his dream in prison. So how did Joseph fare? Well, Pharaoh said to him rather flatteringly in chapter 41, verse 15, I've had a dream and there's no one who can interpret it. I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, it's not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favourable answer. So you see the significance of Joseph's answer there. He'd been a slave for 13 years, but his trust was still firmly in God. He said he could no more interpret Pharaoh's dreams than Pharaoh's magicians and wise men. No, only God could give interpretation to his dreams. And Pharaoh wasn't offended by his politically incorrect statement. And so he told Joseph his two dreams. And Joseph told Pharaoh that God was going to send seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And in the middle of this interpretation, Joseph made it clear again that it was God's doing, not his doing. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms, verse 32, is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. So then Joseph, inspired to suggest to Pharaoh a plan for securing the future of Egypt, decided with others to collect 20% of the produce in the next seven years of plenty to help cover the seven years of severe famine that was to follow. His rise to fame in the eyes of the people was because he was a good leader and God gave him a plan and he worked out that plan in practice. What of Joseph's leadership? Joseph, we're told, verse 37, Joseph's proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. Just at this point in time, Joseph would have been pleased with a pat on the back or release from prison. but something incredible happened. But notice in verse 38, Pharaoh asked a fascinating question of his servants. Can we find a man like this in whom the Spirit is the Spirit of God? Pharaoh didn't know Joseph's God and his comment about the spirit of God may perhaps have been coloured by his polytheistic concept of a multitude of gods. But nevertheless, Joseph had repeatedly asserted, God has revealed to Pharaoh what he's about to do. Joseph's complete God orientation brought Pharaoh to acknowledge Joseph's God. Then astonishingly, Not only was Joseph released, but he was made prime minister. Imagine at the age of 30, taking on that responsibility. Verse 39. Only, says uh, Pharaoh, in respect to the throne, will I be greater than you. A tremendous and sudden turn of events. And this didn't happen because of Joseph's innate ability, or his wit, or his wisdom, or his hard work. It happened because God was with him. and Joseph never despaired, always trusting God. Joseph was faithful, verses 46 to 49. Faithful to his God. He didn't assume the lifestyle of the rich and the famous. He responded with obedience that characterised his true faith. That is, he believed that Egypt would have seven years of plenty to gather up the grain and then seven years of famine. And his rise to power didn't dull his response to God's word because he gave himself wholly to God and committed to hard work, he carried out God's plan. He masterfully stored up the grain in great abundance until it could no longer be measured. Tremendous leadership. And Joseph did all this because he believed that God was true to his word. God was sending great abundance now, but it was going to be followed by a terrible drought. So Joseph believed that God had called him to this position of power to save many people from a terrible death. He was given an Egyptian wife but he didn't compromise his faith. And when he had children, at this moment in history, he named them with Hebrew names, declaring his allegiance to his faith in the Hebrew God. And finally, we notice Joseph's success. The seven years of plenty occurred in the land, verse 53, and then there was famine in all the lands, but in the land of Egypt, there was bread. Why? Because of Joseph's plan put into effect. And it was wonderfully successful. And people came to buy grain from the Egyptians. In that situation, he could have exploited people by charging them twice as much as anyone else for the grain. But he didn't. And he was able to fulfil the plan he'd been given. And at that moment, he was the temporal saviour of the people. So whether in slavery, or in prison, or as now as Prime Minister, as we examine the life of Joseph, we can be impressed by his integrity. His whole life was put together and held together by his faith in his position of leadership. And whatever backdrop we put him against, he remained true to himself, and more importantly, to his God. He was indeed A true witness to godly leadership to those who may aspire to the role of leadership or to those who are in positions of leadership in the future how do you conduct your leadership how will you conduct your leadership in the future will you do so with integrity with duplicity or hypocrisy sometimes things go wrong in positions of leadership. Of those 10 head teachers that I mentioned, two uh, received prison sentences, one of two years in prison, another a suspended sentence. Both claimed to be Christians and it was a huge shock when it came out at the funeral of one of them. He had in the choice of his hymns Experience God's forgiveness and healing in his life and he knew that as he stood before the throne of grace he would receive the forgiveness that God was offering him for what went wrong. I think of a clergyman who was uh, in an adulterous relationship with his church warden and the bishop said to him you either give up that relationship move to another parish or I will unfrock you to use the uh, quaint phrase the church of england uses this vicar refused to give up his relationship and the bishop had no choice but to unfrock him and the ripples from that situation i should say crashing waves go on in that particular situation and then i think of leaders who've had to make tough decisions I think of, and like the bishop had to make a tough decision, it's very clear what he had to do. I think of our headmaster, I had to report a colleague for unprofessional conduct, an awful thing to have to do. The headmaster asked me to explain the situation and I suggested he investigated it with others so that it wasn't just my word. And by four o'clock that day, the member of staff had been suspended, never to return to teaching. But you've heard that expression, seeing colour drain from someone's face. As I told the headmaster at 8 o'clock on a Monday morning what had happened, I saw the colour drain from from his face. We need to thank God for those we know who provided in the past godly leadership and those who continue to do so today in churches and at state level and in positions of leadership in society. And let's renew our commitment to pray for leaders in church and state, that they may indeed be people of integrity, submitting to God, investing in others, loving God and loving their neighbors as they love themselves. A moment of quiet and then a prayer. father god we thank you for joseph's faithfulness to you when he could so easily have compromised his faith and become like everyone else around him we thank you for those who lead us and pray that your holy spirit may bless them in our churches and help them to remain faithful and trusting in you, for Jesus Christ's sake, Amen.